That's some sensational catch. Absolutely brilliant from Hooper. Was hit back firmly by Maiello. Hammered down the ground. It could fly all the way for a maximum. It's going to soar into the sky. That's the six they needed. That's 50 for Furbrush. What a knock that is from him. Outstanding striking. And that six brings Guernsey back into the game. Could be a catch. What a catch. One-handed grab. And that's Josh Butler, the captain. Oh, my days. We have been treated to some catches in this tournament. Welcome to Under the Covers, Guernsey Cricket's very own podcast. I'm Ben Furbrush, Guernsey Cricket Development Manager. On this podcast, we will be chatting to players old and new, coaches, administrators and other cricketing keen beans along the way. On today's episode, we chat to recently retired Kent wicketkeeper Adam Rouse. We chat about his rollercoaster of a career and what's on the horizon following his retirement. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Adam Rouse. Uh, born in Harare, Zimbabwe on the 30th of June, 1992. Uh, what did your early sort of childhood look like? Uh, firstly, thanks for having me, mate. Um, yeah, I went to, I sort of obviously grew up in Zimbabwe. Um, went to a little school, school called Lefordia, which um, was played every single sport under the sun. Uh, sport was kind of compulsory in Zimbabwe. Um, actually, it's the family of... of um, the ex-Zimbabwe captain Alistair Campbell um, oh. and their whole family so cricket was a massive part of the school um, and yeah we just played absolutely every sport uh, two sports a day plus a bit of cross country so my kind of foundations of, of sport was was there right from the start really. Yeah and then with that obviously your, uh, your family left uh, Zimbabwe and moved to, to England how did that sort of come about? Yeah, um, so we, my parents were farmers, um, and when sort of things were were happening in Zimbabwe, um, it was just getting a little bit too dangerous. Um, with four four kids, my parents just decided, look, it's it's not worth it, and um, let's get out and let's let's go and start our, start our life again, which was quite um, daunting for them. Obviously, we were quite young, so uh, it was a bit of a, a holiday for us kind of thing yeah so, um, we didn't really know what probably the extent of what it was and what it meant but um, you know they had they had family in South Africa so we went there initially and then um, headed over to the UK and we we've yeah we settled in March 2003. Yeah so at, obviously age of 10 that must have been a little bit strange uh, moving to the UK um, what did you do then? Like one year of junior school, straight into straight into adult school, secondary school. Yeah, it was strange. I think um, I do remember. So uh, when we moved to sort of Hampshire, Basingstoke area, um, my brothers were the only two that could get into senior school straight away, um, and I could. I had to. I had to wait about six, half the year, maybe right. three months. So I, I had an extended holiday, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Others were at school and I thought, this is awesome. I'm, um, you know, I don't have to go to school and I can just chill. But I, I, did, I did half a year at, at junior school and then uh, fed on into um, senior school where my brothers were at, uh, which was parents in, in Hampshire and Alsford. Right. Yeah. And then with that, um, a couple of notes I've made is two years down the line, um, you made a quite an impression being the youngest person to ever score a century in an adult league uh, game of cricket uh, at the age of 12. So what were your memories of that game? Yeah, I can remember that um, quite well, actually. I, I just sort of 
that kind of character. I've got two older brothers. I've played um, as much competitive sport as I could against them and with them and always wanted to uh, play that sort of level above. Um, and yeah, got, you know, forced, probably forced Basingstoke Creek Club to play me in a, in a couple of men's games. Um, and yeah, I managed to managed to get a hundred. I didn't probably at the time realize the extent of it and um, what a sort of feat it was. But um, a couple of weeks later, I had the uh, Wisden cricketer come and interview me as a little twelve-year-old, and um, <laughs> I actually got my first. I actually got my first sponsorship off the back of that. I got sponsored right. by Smasher Sports um, <laughs> off the back of that because the one of the reps was actually playing against us for that game. Right. Um, so kind of that was probably the little start of of my career and sort of seeing what I could kind of gain from playing cricket and trying to sort of pursue that as a as a career really. So from yeah from twelve years old I thought oh, I want to play professional cricket. Yeah, and your brothers both played in the same game or were playing for the club? Um, I'm not sure actually. I don't think so. They might have been playing a, a team above me to be honest. Um, Obviously, they. I know you know my one of my brothers, Darren, who lives on on the island with you. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, they were they were very good cricketers as well. So they were probably playing a much higher standard than I was. Yeah, well, your other brother actually, Grant, went to uh, Uni of Gloucester, which is actually where I went at the same time. But I never met him. <laughs> it was only okay. until, until Darren told me the other week, and I was like, oh, never met him. But small world. Yeah, it's strange as well because you um, you play a bit of hockey as well, don't you? Uh, I did it. Yeah, I did it uh, at school. Yeah, so yeah, I would have yeah, been. So he, plays, he plays a lot of hockey now, and um, yeah, very sporting family. Yeah, no, good to hear. Um, so from there, you were obviously picked up by Hampshire. Um, was it all the way through the age groups that you, you played for Hampshire? Yeah, so I think I started playing sort of under 11s, under 12s, um, and yeah, played all the way through. Um, I think it made my second team debut at about. 14 or 15 um, and played played second team for a while got my first contract um, a few years later I think it was 17 or 18 right. um, and yeah and sort of went from there really didn't didn't play many first class games um, at Hampshire but sort of learned a lot of my cricket in the second team for a couple of years yeah and that's where you uh, met Tim Ravenscroft a local celebrity if you like uh, yeah. lived with him as well actually I was, I was with him on Saturday evening and we were chatting about your your apartment you had <laughs> yeah Guernsey's finest um no yeah I, I was yeah I had a great time I lived um with Timmy in my first sort of professional year um we both got signed in the same year um he was obviously way more talented than I was um he I remember just sort of thinking uh he left the game and sort of 16 we played a lot of age group stuff together and he um he left the game at 16 came back at 18 and just <laughs> hadn't played for two years but I think he got three or four hundreds in the second team back to back and I just I couldn't believe it. I was like wow this guy's this guy's special um and obviously yeah we got signed together in the first in the first year um and lived together which was um a nice experience <laughs> right by the uh ground there was a funny story. I think didn't he go and blow all of his budget on a on a hot tub? <laughs> he did, he did. Yeah, Timmy, Timmy did enjoy um, the finer things. So he was, you know, we got a, a lovely house right by the by the ground, and um, 
yeah, he definitely kitted it out with some of the some toys. <laughs> um, from there on in, you also went to represent England the 19s. Um, how was that? And and who else was on that sort of intake of players in the same age group as you? Yeah, that was that was an unbelievable experience, to be honest. Um, one that sort of I wasn't expecting initially, just because um, obviously it was a year above. Um, I was playing the sort of England under 18s at the time. Um, and had been on a couple of sort of representative tours at that time. And then I think um, it was around about the time where I think Nick Pothis um, did his knees. Um, obviously, you guys know Nick pretty well in Guernsey. But I think he had an injury and Michael Bates, who was the year above under-19 keeper, um, had to go play for Hampshire first team. And so that kind of paved the way for me to get my opportunity Right. To play England, so um, I then got the call up and played the summer series um, against Sri Lanka, which was an incredible experience. Yeah, and then and who else was playing in that in that side? Yeah, we had we had a pretty prolific side. We had Joe Root, um, <laughs> Matt Dunn, Lewis Gregory. Um, we had Atif Sheikh, um, Azim Rafiq. We had yeah, a pretty superstar lineup. Yeah, yeah. Weld. Um, yeah. Not all of the names come to my come to me right now, but we had a, a a very good side, and I was very fortunate to play alongside a lot of those guys, um, and actually continue sort of playing with and against them throughout the throughout my career. Yeah. Really. yeah. Um, t- 2011 also saw you uh, be 12th man for England um, against Sri Lanka. Um, I think Tim was also 13th or, or 12th or 13th in that game. Um, that one must have been amazing. Uh, running out at, was that must have been at the Rose Bowl was it yeah yeah, yeah it was, running yeah. out of the Rose Bowl you know it's packed crowd but also you managed to take a catch of Kumar Sangakara yeah I mean still a real surreal surreal uh, experience I remember sitting there I think it was Batesy myself Timmy and Hamza Riazadin as 12th men um, and we were all sort of sitting there and I think at the time, uh, Hamza being sort of the most established pro at the time was always going to be the 12th man fielder. Uh, then we, one of us got called into the 12th man and he didn't fancy it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I sort of got the nudge and I had to, had to run on. So I wasn't really expecting it. Ran on. I was pretty nervous the whole time. I remember being sort of fine leg to fine leg. Um, and I got, I got a ball come down to me at fine leg. <laughs> I threw it way over Matt Pryor's head. <laughs> and I was just thinking, oh my God, what am I doing? These guys must think I'm I'm so bad. And then another one went sort of through covers. I picked it up, turned around, threw it, and I think it was a two or three bounds into into Pryor. So um I was a bit nervous at the time. But I managed to so I was fine leg to fine leg. For some reason, um it was right hand, left hand combination. So I was right, fine leg to the right hander. Sangakara comes on strike. And someone ran down to fine leg instead of actually crossing over to point. So I got called up to point. So I'm, I'm now there. <laughs> what am I doing at point? I just sort of, yeah, so scared. Um, and I don't know if you see the video. There's a video on YouTube. But just my reaction of me of me taking the catch. He was, he's obviously gone for a, a big drive through covers and not quite got it. Um, and it sort of looped up to me taking the catch over my head and the sigh of relief on my face was just <laughs> it's quite fun looking back on it but amazing also just to, to do that and and a great sort of um experience for a 18 17 18 year old and high-fiving Kevin Peterson and Jonathan Trott and 
yeah. Matt Pryor and all these guys thinking, wow, this, you know, I'm watching these guys on TV all the time. Um, and just a nice little taste from, for the rest of my career, really. I've also been intrigued with the, the 12th man of, of England. Do you just arrive and your kit's just sitting there in a, in a pile and you sort of get, get your own kit bag? Or what, what actually happens with that? Um, it's quite a weird one, to be honest. Um, obviously, there's a couple of the guys that gets, get asked to do it. Um, you get some training kit and some some whites. And um, this particular time, I don't think there's much space in the changing room. So the four of us were downstairs in one of the committee rooms, kind of just isolated for the four days. So it was very weird, um, which is understandable. Obviously, they've got their their whole team in there and the team talks and you don't want, you know, four randomers coming in yeah. and taking over the space. So um, as expected, but yeah, very, very strange feeling. Um, but also, you know, a great start to what turned out to be a, a longer career than I thought I'd have. Yeah. So, so with that, you went on to make your, your first class debut uh, for Hampshire in 2013 against Bangladesh 18. Um, how did you get on in that game? Um, I remember I got a couple of dismissals, I think, um, keeping. Um, and I, I kept really well, but I don't think I got many runs. Um, I think I was 10, maybe. Um, start of my career was a bit light, to be honest. Um, just, I think, you know, it's one of those things where finding your way and, and finding yeah. your feet, really. Um, and it's quite nice that I got that opportunity to play in a tall game as one of my first games. Um, just because I think the expectation on you playing against an international team is probably a bit limited, you know, a bit less, yeah. which means that yeah. if you fail, you can go ah, against an international side, so it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then 2013 was also your last year with Hampshire, um, yeah. but you went on in 2014 uh, to sign a two-month deal with, with Gloucestershire, um, playing in 13 domestic matches. Um, how did that sort of come about? Yeah, so that was the kind of that was the time of my my career where I sort of when I finished Hampshire, um, I went and qualified as a personal trainer. I kind of was out of the game for a little bit, but I I gave myself two years. I said, look, I'm going to give myself two years to to pursue being a professional cricket, professional cricketer and sort of see how how that goes and and where it can take me. And um, I remember once I qualified. It was the winter and there was no really real teams that would take me on in winter training just because I'm not a bowler who can help them out. Yeah. I'm really going to be taking someone else's time if I'm having a bat. So I found that quite difficult. I came, I came back. Uh, I remember having a, a trial against a trial for Glamorgan um, and went, I think I got three ducks. I got <laughs> strangled down the side a dodgy LBW decision and caught and bowled. And I sat back in the changing room and I just thought, <laughs> what am I doing? Like, this is tough. Um, and it just so happened that I then trialed with Gloucester, um, got a hundred against, um, hundred for them, sorry. And, um, and then a hundred against them when I was trialing for Surrey as well. So I'd scored some runs in that trial period where I was going around the different counties um, and done fairly well against them and with them and then um both their keepers broke fingers literally week apart i think so mm -hmm. gareth Roderick broke his finger and then their second choice keeper i think it was cam herring at the time also broke his finger um and i just i sort of 
I think right place at the right time, I got an opportunity um, and absolutely loved it. I, I, that was probably one of my, up there with one of my favorite times in my career, just because I really had nothing to lose. You know, I, I was just there sort of to prove myself, trying to get a contract, um, loved my time there. I played a lot of cricket with those guys, um, sort of West of England and yeah. England age group. So um, that, was, that was very, very enjoyable. You had a pretty impressive debut as well. Uh, you smashed a 16 ball, 35 not out in uh, one of the T20 matches, including five fours and a six. Um, batting down at number seven when the game was sort of of lost. That must have been amazing. Yeah, that definitely was. That, that I mean, that was so... Thinking back of that, that was kind of um, my first sort of step onto the scene, I guess, um, in first first in cricket. Um, and it was one of those ones again. I think if you have a look at my career, and there seems to be a pattern when the when the chips are down and and we're up against it, I seem to come out with with something. And I don't know what that is, but um, that was a prime example. You know, we were yeah six six or seven down um up against it with with quite a i think we needed 12s and I, I was batting with jack taylor and we just thought let's go you know we've got nothing to lose let's have a crack and um yeah it was one of those one of those moments where you're not really thinking about getting out or you're not really thinking about the, that fear of failure it's just let's go and let's yeah. see what happens and fortunately it paid off and um yeah, it was actually against Kent as well, which which is very strange given the yeah. rest of my career. <laughs> <laughs> and then following on from from sort of that season, um, you you then went down with to Kent uh, and you know got a got a contract there. Um, with that sort of constant toing and froing, not knowing where you stood and everything else, I guess you have to be pretty resilient to keep getting the knockdowns and then. You know the, the slim chance of a, a two-month contract. Um, it must have been pretty relieving when when the Kent opportunity came up. Yeah, um, do you know what? it was actually very a very strange time. Um, like you said, quite a lot of setbacks and knocks. Um, I actually, after my two months at Gloucester, um, the the head coach Bracewell um, sat me down. I remember clearly we were at Glamorgan. Um, he asked me to get there a bit earlier uh, for a chat. So I'm on the balcony at um, Swalik Stadium. And uh, he said, he sat me down. He said, look, mate, we want to offer you a contract. Um, we're happy with what you've done. We think you'd be a great asset to Gloucester in the future. And, and you know, we want to give you a contract. Let me just sort of see what we can offer you. We've got our budget chats in, in a week's time and then go from there. And uh, a week later... We were playing against Hampshire. Roderick was back, so he was back from injury. So I was just 12th man. Um, went in to have a chat with him, and he just he said, "Mate, I'm I'm so sorry. Unfortunately, with I think they had heavy budget cuts, and uh, both the keepers were sort of returning from injury. They just said, look, the board can't justify having three keepers, and I'm sorry, mate. So that was a massive um, setback for me. I, I remember." I'd already called my parents to say that, you know, Gloucester went off me a contract. Yeah. I'd already um, sat down with my my girlfriend at the time, my wife now. We sat down and had a look at some places in Bristol and where we'd stay, you know. So I'd, 
that was that was quite a, a tough pill to swallow um so i i kind of by then it was it was towards the back end of the season um i didn't really have enough energy to sort of go back out and carry on trialing um sort of deflated me in a bit in yeah. in, a, in a way um but i i was going i was heading out to cape town that winter um for a for just a season abroad um and i remember just thinking look you know what this is the way the chips have fallen i'm gonna go give myself uh one last time away before i face the real world and and get a a real job as my mum would like to call it (laughs) um so i i you know i went away and had a great time and uh, because I played some second team stuff for for Kent um, and done done fairly well, they sort of knew who I was, and I spent one of the pre seasons with them, so um, they had an idea of of what I could do. And um, I got a call from Sam Northeast while I was out in Cape Town um, and Jimmy Jimmy Adams, and they basically said, "Look, one of the, one of the keepers um, has." gone to um to somerset the second team keeper's gone to somerset and um billings was away with england quite a lot so you know we want to sign you um and i remember sat there they wanted off me a one-year deal and i for the first time in my career like i'd stopped looking for a, a contract yeah stopped pursuing a contract and it's sort of fallen on my on my lap effectively and i didn't know what to do because I just got myself to a point where I'd kind of accepted that I was never, I wasn't going to be a freshman cricketer. I wasn't going to play cricket um, at that level anymore. And it took me about two weeks to make a decision. Right. Um, I ended up offering me a two year deal and, and I'm so glad I took it really, um, you know, because I would have sort of kicked myself not knowing what I, what I could have done in the game or, or not giving it a crack really. Um, but it was a very strange time, you know, almost having the thought of, yeah. do I really want to take it? Um, which sounds so strange. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would probably think, well, bite your hand off to, to be in that position. But it was, it was a different um, decision really. Did, did that allow you to sort of relax a little bit, the, the, given the security of a, of a two year deal? Um, I know it's probably yeah, not your personality though. <laughs> yeah, it was initially just a one year deal. Um, and I kind of just said to them, look, I'm sorry, but the, the nature of my career and the way things have gone, like I'm, I'm not going to sort of upstick in my life for, for six months. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. if, if you want me to commit to you, I'll, I'll, I want some sort of commitment. So um, that did, did make me relax a little bit, um, allowed me to, to sort of, have some sort of stability and base, um, but also like I think with the roller coaster of my career leading up to that, it kind of just allowed me to put put cricket in perspective. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of players out players that I've seen growing up and and played with and against that sort of have had a smooth ride or or cricket is all they know, um, and when they face some sort of adversity, it's, it's a lot harder to deal with but I think because I think I find it as a massive positive for my career that I've I had that adversity right at the beginning um because it allowed me to sort of play the way I played or just um you know keep one eye on plan b really bowled him beautiful bit of bowling 
from William Peatfield. The stump comes crashing out the ground, and that's a big wicket here in Guernsey versus Denmark at the KG5. That's the first wicket. Letizier is the one who strikes. He gives it a big celebration. He writes it up in a book. He notes it down and sends them off. You can add Manfred Singh to that list. That's the breakthrough Letizier needed. That's the breakthrough Guernsey needed. And that's the breakthrough that Mark Ladder to my left wants a big smile on his face. And a wonderful shot there. Cover drive for four. Stokes already finding the boundary twice in this game. I mean, you started off the 2016 season uh, in fine form. Uh, leading the first class wicketkeeping dismissals with 26 victims at the end of May. Um, was that just a case of cementing your place and just sort of showing what you could do and just relaxing into that? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, again, um, I had some success at, at Gloucester and I was just wanting to to show a new team or new uh, teammates what I could do. So it was quite quite a nice time where, you know, I was I was just effectively trying to prove a point um and I got the opportunity obviously with Billings being away and with England and the IPL so I got quite a nice little run up until that time um and you know I was really happy with my performances I really enjoyed um that run of of cricket with Kent and um yeah it's just just I guess a little bit of a shame when when you're your second fiddle to an international player um and that's kind of been the, the nature of my career, really. Yeah, and then your, your season, unfortunately, was, was cut short early with two dislocated fingers, um, which happened against Glamorgan. Uh, in the same game you scored, you were made in first-class half-century. Did you actually bat with dislocated fingers in that game? Yeah, so um, that was quite a funny one. So I wasn't supposed to be playing that game. And then in the, the morning before, the lads went down to Glamorgan and Billings got hit on the thumb. Um, and I think he had either an England game coming up or a T- or an IPL or something. So he was a bit sort of reluctant to play. So I got the call up, arrived at um, Glamorgan that evening uh, or that morning, actually. I'm not sure. And uh, took a glove straight away that morning. And Mitch Clayden sort of bowled a, a leg stump Yorker that hit the foothold and wobbled through to me. And I remember sort of going to reverse cup and it just dipped. Dislocated my finger. It was the last ball of the over. I took my glove off. Everyone's run around, and uh, <laughs> my finger was pointed out to the side. I thought, "Wow, this is not right." So I got the uh, I got the um, physio on, popped it back in, strapped it, carried on keeping for the rest of that session, and then I went to go bat. And I was early on in my innings. I think I was ten or eleven, and I went on the back foot to a spinner cut one through um, point for four and the pressure of me sort of my hands on the, on the bat handle um, obviously sort of popped my finger out. So I thought I just, this is day two, maybe. But on the same I finger? Same finger. I didn't get hit. I, I, I played the ball, hit the ball, but the sort of the pressure on the, on the handle popped it out again. And I thought, oh, just pop my digit out here again. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I went to call the physio on again and he couldn't get it back in the whole time. And he's like, I can't get that back in. So I sort of, I left it, um, sorry, before, before I called the physio, I left it the over. And when I was, went to try to face up the next ball, I couldn't grip my bat. My, my finger just wouldn't 
get around the, the, the bat. So I called the physio. He couldn't pop it in. So I got retired hurt um, that, that day. I remember um, sort of hanging around, getting it strapped, but it, it wouldn't, nothing would happen. So I strapped it up. I cut a hole in my, in my glove, um, put my hand through there and had my finger sticking out of the glove. <laughs> I went back, I went into the nets at the back with Jimmy Adams and hit a few balls. And um, he's very old school, uh, tough, tough cookie. And he said, look, come on, if, you, if you're good to go, just get out there. You know, we need, we need some, some help here. Um, so I was like, you know, trying to impress as a youngster, sort of fighting for a, a contract extension and all that. And knowing it's probably my last game with Billings being back, I was like, right, I'm going to give it a crack. And so I, again, went out there and, and yeah, like you said, got my first 50, which is a great story. Um, and I think just because I was focused on the pain of my finger, I kind of just had that freedom to play. Um, got my finished the that evening uh, once I was out and went to A&E. Um, turns out I had ruptured and dislocated the um, ligaments and tendons of my finger cool. and basically ripped all the tendons off the bone. Um, so there was nothing holding it in place. That's why it kept sort of falling out of place. Um, so I spent the next sort of five, six months in a cast um, trying to get back to rehab and um, missed the rest of the season. Um, but fortunately for me, I think that that sort of um, fight and grit kind of got me my contract extension. Um, you know, had I not gone out and done that, I don't think I would have got the the extension for the for the next two years to sort of carry on playing. Um, it turns out actually, once I was going through rehab, I re-ruptured my finger again, um, and. They gave me they gave me the sort of ultimatum to say, look, if we operate, it might be another twelve months out of the game, and the likelihood of it actually working is a lot lower now because there's a lot of scar tissue. Um, so you can either do that or you can crack on. So um, since then, I've been playing with a ruptured finger. Um, cool. Yeah, I mean that, that didn't seem to to hold you back in 2017. So uh, you started the season off as first class, uh, first choice keeper. Sorry. Uh, with Billings away at the Pakistan Super League. Um, and you played in a regional Super 50 tournament in the West Indies, topping the team's batting averages. Was that then a, a pre-season tour? That was a pre-season tour. Um, yeah, that was that was awesome. Like, we've been there a couple of years. Um, and again, that was a nice opportunity for me where I knew that I, I pretty much had the whole tournament, um, you know, before we started. So I could, I could relax into it and I could... Um, you know, put some performances in and, and it just so happened to be that I, you know, I played pretty well and I got some good scores under my belt. Um, yeah. And finished that, that tournament leading run scorer, um, which sort of set me up for the, with that confidence for the season. Again, I knew that I was going into the season with a decent run of cricket without Sam being there. So um, that was always very nice. And I think we, we were very fortunate with the overseas players that we had at that time. Yeah, and then following that tournament, um, you, you kept your place as keeper in the county championship side, um, taking 13 catches and scoring your, your highest ever first-class score of 95 not out against Derbyshire. Um, interestingly, coming in at number nine, which was was pretty uh, strange position. Um, which, yeah. Uh, that, that must have been amazing. But also, you must have probably given James Treble a quick spray on the way off when, when he got out <laughs> and you grunted. <laughs> 
Do you know what? It's a funny story because um, Treaders is one of the nicest blokes going um, and obviously a legend in the game, especially at Kent. And um, it was, you know, he's one of the safest bets as well. Like, you know, when you're batting with Treader, you know that, you know, you don't have to worry about him at the other end. He'll do his bit and you can you can do your thing. He had been doing that so well, I guess, from, from me being on about 70 up until 95. Um, and he didn't think anything of it. Um, Spinner was on, I think it was Madsen, sort of part-time off spinner, and, and um, he probably hate me for saying that, but um, <laughs> one that I thought, you know, I'm just going to tick over here and sort of get my 100. And Treaders hit one, one bounce four over the top, and I, and I thought, ooh, <laughs> a bit risky that trick, but well played, great shot. Um, and then next ball, same thing, went for it again. I remember running through and Gary Wilson was keeper at the time. I played a lot of cricket with and against Gary and I didn't want to look. So I'm looking, I'm running towards the keeper, looking at him, all goes up and his reaction was a bit like, like a bit of sigh. So I thought, I thought they dropped it. (laughs) I thought they dropped it and um, turned around and they sort of celebrating the the catch. And I'm stranded there on, on 95, um, which is, a massive shame, but um, you know, I, I remember walking off, and Treddy must have apologised to me about sixty times <laughs> from the middle of the uh, the wickets to the to the boundary rope. Um, and actually, ever since then, I remember when I announced my retirement, I got a, a message straight from Tread saying, "Mate, I still, I still feel so bad about that." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, in twenty eighteen, you played pretty much throughout the season uh, and play occasionally playing as a keeper, even when Billings did play. Um, how did that sort of happen? And, 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 you know, you made also one first class appearance for Surrey but it, while still contracted to, to Ken. What, 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 yeah. How did that come about? Um, so, yeah, so I had quite a nice year again, um, put in some good performances with the gloves um, and some, some, they're not massive performances with the bat, but they were, they were vital ones and um, quite um, important knocks. And I think at that time when Sam came back, I'd done enough to to warrant myself in the uh, a space in, in the side um, as a batter. So um, that was nice to know that I'd done enough to to do that. Um, and then, yeah, so sorry, I remember they had, um, obviously folks was in and around the England stuff. Burns wasn't keeping because he was playing England as well. And young, I think I'd Ollie Pope as well. Um, but at the time they just, they had a tour game against the West Indies. Um, with no keepers um, so they looked around the counties had a look at the guys who weren't playing and um, I got asked if I wanted to play and for me it was just another opportunity to play first class cricket and play against West Indies A and you know with with some some great players in, in the Surrey side so you know I jumped at it and um, had, a, had a good four days or good three days with them so that was that was nice and then also in, in 2018 um, you put in a match-winning performance in the Royal London One Day Cup uh, semi-final uh, with a, a score of 70 against Worcestershire. That must have really been sort of like, you know, you sort of made it at that stage or, you know, all the hard work's paying off. Definitely, definitely. That was quite nice. I remember, so obviously the limited chances, of, well, the overseas um, winter tours that we had, that I had a good run and 50 over stuff. And I, I felt like my one day game was coming to a point where I was pretty happy and 
and that was another strange time as well. I remember Billings was down to play, but then ECB said that they weren't allowed to play um, that semi-final and they weren't allowed to come back and play. So I had to travel up to Worcester the night before, um, last minute again, right, Rousey, we need you in, like you're playing tomorrow. So I travelled up um, next morning, straight in. I also wasn't sure because Billings was there, so we weren't, weren't sure if I was playing or not. So I had to kind of prepare if I was or if I wasn't. So, you know, just went, went as a... Um, about my business as I as I would normally and then got the tap on the shoulder saying you know Rousey you're in um so we obviously um fielded first and no yeah we fielded first and um they they we had them pretty um they were going they were going all right to be fair they were they were um knocking it around and then they finished so strong um I remember Ben Cox got a pretty decent knock um and they finished pretty strong and we were up against it really um I went back into the changing room I think I was down to about maybe seven um six or seven and uh Steve-O had been off the field uh for some reason but he'd been off too long to warrant batting at four or five so we lost two or three early wickets um and I was just sat on the balcony just chilling uh again tap on the shoulder mate, you better get your pads on because Steve is not allowed to bat, so you're batting next. <laughs> so I was like, all panic into the changing room, pads on quickly. I've just about put my my last pad on and my thigh pad on and boom, another wicket. So with it, with you know, without even thinking, I'm out there um, batting at number four. And obviously I was batting with um, Haino Kuhn, who just is cool as a cucumber, nice and chilled. Like He was just running the show and he's off the back of, I think, four... 400s on the bounce maybe at that time so it was just so nice to bat with him and he was very chilled and we were just taking it around and trying to rebuild from that time and we managed to get ourselves into a really good position um where where we got that rate down a bit a bit lower and fortunately got out um towards the back end um but actually hindsight is probably a good thing because it paved the way for um alex blake to come and smash a few sixes out the ground and, and get us <laughs> get us into a great position and yeah that that for me that was really nice I'd always played some small parts in in um in games in sort of um winning games and sometimes there were probably parts that were that would go under the radar or be unnoticed but to do that and to, to make a difference in a game and actually get us to Lord's final was um was very special and probably one of the one game that will stick with me for the rest of my rest of my life really. Yeah, and then, and then following on from sort of uh, 2018, 2019, um, chances were fairly limited uh, in terms of, of first team uh, opportunities, uh, although you seem to score quite a few runs in the second team. Um, so it was still sort of knocking on the door. Um, at that stage, was that sort of a, at that stage where you thought possibly, you know, the, the future of what you're going to go into, uh, which we'll speak about in a minute, um, was that when you sort of saw that might have, might have to happen? Yeah, probably not um, right away. Um, I still had sort of two years left on my contract, but I, I the writing on was on the wall in terms of my career at Kent, um, which was just a bit of a shame. They sort of made a made an early decision. Um, they had obviously Billings, and then two young keeper batters who were playing sort of England Lions and and England under nineteen. So. 
um, it was a little bit of shame, but but they sort of alluded to the fact that my career at Kent was was limited and and probably not um, going to continue. So it was a strange year that 2019 for me because um, I was like, look, I'm going to prove you wrong. You know, I I still think I'm good enough to play first team cricket and I should be playing and and that's what I did. I went, I sort of got dropped for the first game of the season. Um, unfortunately, um, Ollie Robbo got 100 in, in this, his first game in championship and sort of never never looked back, which, you know, I'm, I'm so happy for him because I spent a lot of um, the last few years working a lot with him and, and guiding him through everything and sort of trying to sort of help him with his career. And, um, and it, it was nice to see. But I, you know, I had no control on that. And all I could do is go back and score some runs in second team. I went and scored a hundred first game after the after that to sort of answer um, their decision. Um, but it never really made a difference. And throughout that year, I kind of kept having to sort of get myself up. And, and you know, I've, I've been playing second team cricket since I was 14. So yeah. um, after a while, it becomes a bit of a slog. And I was doing my best to sort of, put on a brave face and, and keep scoring runs. And, and I did that because I thought, you know, I, I still want to go play elsewhere. You know, if I've got an opportunity yeah. somewhere else, then I'll, I'll try and do that. And then same thing happened. I went um, back into the year, didn't really play. I played all the one day stuff um, and was fortunate enough to actually cap Captain Kent um, for three or four games. Um, so that was also, also pretty nice. Um, but then, yeah, I went to Cape Town that winter. Um, and that was probably a bit, a bit of the turning point for me. I think I finished the season um, quite deflated just because I sort of picked myself up so many different times throughout my career and spe uh, specifically that year to keep going, keep trucking along. And that, I mean, that's my character. That's the kind of person I am. But I think I got to the end of the year and all that hard work and all that effort didn't amount to anything. Yeah. So it was kind of like, here we go again. Like, I'm sort of, running against a brick wall here and um got married that winter in october um in cape town which was incredible and played um some club cricket out there and i remember i remember sitting there going like i've <laughs> I was playing club cricket I lo i've got a few low scores but i i was also didn't really have that um drive to go training and and get in the nets and i, I I was sat there and it was a bit of a catch 22. Like I either need to train to, to start performing or, you know, otherwise it's just, I'm going to go in this vicious circle. So I picked myself up and uh, netted that whole week, ended up, so I got a couple of fifties and, and sort of the rest of my, my winter um, finished really well. And I came back to UK pretty good spirits as well. Yeah. Thinking, you know, like if I'm not going to make it here at Kent, that's fine, but I'm going to, I'm going to go on the loan list straight away. I'm going to, you know, smash my preseason. I'm going to, you know, try and, and get myself out there as much as I can and, and give it one last crack. And then lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then lockdown hits and, and it kind of it gave me a lot of time to reevaluate and have a, have a think about what I wanted to do. And during that time, I really sort of had to ask myself some, some pretty tough questions. Um, you know, do, do I really want to, do this again like do you know up stick and move my life somewhere else for maybe a one-year contract or a two-year contract and I think with the impact of uh, coronavirus and, and everything with the first first class sides 
the budgets just weren't there for signing players yeah. for longer term. And I just, I think all that energy from the way my career had gone and, and the nature of it, I think that energy was all just a bit drained and I, I couldn't envision myself trying to get up and do it again. Yeah. Um, and that's where the, the questions came in, like, you know, and I, I quickly realized that, um, you know, I wasn't enjoying it as much as I used to. And um, it was, it was eating away at me in a, in a sense, you know, I still absolutely love playing first class cricket and um, would work as hard as anyone else, you know, um, but it was just getting to that point where it got a bit tough. And around that time, like um, in Cape Town, I was um, training, doing um, F45, which is functional training. Um, yeah. And fell in love with it really i always knew that through my through my personal training qualification like i always wanted to um go down that after after the cricket and quite organically really this sort of just fell into my lap and it was something that i was like oh posted it on social media a couple of times a few people just said mate you'd be awesome at doing that like and i thought to myself maybe let me just check it out and same thing lockdown happened got back in sort of not sure which way to go. Couldn't really pursue my cricket as such during that time. And, and I thought, right, let me just look into it. And within the space of a month or two, this was me. I was like, I'm, I'm sold here. I absolutely love this. For me, I kind of, the thing that I loved about F45 is that, and having that as my own business is that I would be, I would be in control of it. And I think yeah. for the majority part of my career, I haven't been in control of it. Um, so that really appealed to me and obviously I'm, I'm sort of fusing my passion um, with with my next step in my um, career and I, I've been very fortunate to have been able to um, have my first passion as a career for the last nine ten years um, so to go into something else that I'm passionate about I'm really excited about it um, so so you know I'm sure you've got some questions but the, that's the, my next step really you know I'm, I'm starting my own gym and i'm opening up my own gym in in london um once we get out of all of this yes that, that was that was my next thing is is you, obviously i guess the the time scale of that is tough with you, you guys are back in lockdown in the uk um, yeah yeah we are um it's been a it's been a lot of hard work during this time but actually do you know what it's been so nice for me to to get my mind elsewhere um and to not actually worry about um, the next step. Like I found something that I know that I want to do. I really do believe that there's a um, a place for it, um, particularly coming out of coronavirus and COVID. I think that there's such a big push in this, and um, it's so, so important for, for us to be focusing on our mental health and our physical health coming out of this. Yeah. Um, and the gym the gym environment is the epitome of that really um and what i love about f45 and why i think that there, there'll be such a high demand for it is the community spirit behind it um yeah for those of you guys that don't know f45 you know it's a, it's team training um it's group training studios functional um training and it's just such a good vibe like everyone's training together it's 45 minutes you 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 walk in and you walk out drenched but you've got a smile on your face and everyone's happy you know high-fiving each other and um 
it's just such a good energy and i think that is that's a lot of me and and what i want to want to give um to a lot of people so that's that's why it just felt like a real good fit for me so it is difficult at the moment with the timings um some people probably think i'm mad trying to start a new <laughs> business in this climate but i'm hoping that you know we'll come out of this and that i'll be on the right side of the wave and um you know in the new year we can we can launch and we can really really start making a difference in in people's lives because i think the demand will be there yeah, and you've always been uh, like you said a personal training uh, and gym work has always been actually something you've you've always nailed on as well so um you know you years of cricket as well as alongside that your fitness scores i, I guess were up, up near the top most of the times yeah they're genuinely right i mean i'm not the best um long distance runner so so the yo-yo wasn't the best but in terms of everything else and um i've got my my keeper's legs so um anything with that i could i could um perform pretty highly but i, I always loved it you know it's one of those things where i never really felt fitness as a chore or yeah. you, you didn't have to force me to go and do it i'd be doing it in my spare time and it's probably my my sort of release so yeah for me I'm excited about being able to do something that makes me happy and is a hobby for me um, and turn it into a bit of a business, really. Following on from all that, just to, just to wrap it up, um, yeah. I've asked you to come up with your, your greatest team you've ever played with. Um, and, and you've obviously highlighted you've played with some pretty special players. Um, but if, yeah. if you'd like to fire away. Well, I mean... Yeah, I don't have it directly, but I'll just throw a few people that I've, I've been very fortunate enough to play with and against. Um, obviously, we were quite lucky at Kent to have quite a few pretty prolific overseas players. Um, Kagisa Rabada, for one. Yeah. Um, Matt Henry, who was unbelievable for us. Um, well, I remember at Hampshire as well. Glenn Maxwell, um, who, who <laughs> I don't know if it was... if any of your lads were playing in this side, but I think it was against the MCCYCs. Um, and he was over playing a second team game for us. We were supposed to have Shida Afridi at Hampshire as overseas, but he didn't turn up. And I remember, Timmy might have been there, I remember Maxwell hit a, a 30 ball 100 and Giles Wyatt and all of them straight on the phone to get this guy overseas. And he ended up being the overseas that year and, and tore it up. So... That was quite special to watch. Um, but I mean, I, I, a couple of years back, I also was fortunate enough to play in an Aussie um, inter-squad game. So I played against um, Pattinson. I played against um, Haddon, um, some some really like proper players. Yeah. Um, actually got a funny story. I think you were going to go on to the next question as one of the fastest bowlers you've, you've yeah. faced. Um, which is when I was about 17, 18, um, I was asked to sort of keep for the for this inter-squad game. So I kept all day. And then back into the day, they were like, I got a token bat. They said, you want to have a bat? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. That'd be awesome. But I had um, Pat Cummings, who was just sort of coming back from injury, trying to make, trying to get a uh, test for Ashes. It was for the Ashes. He was trying to get a test call-up. So he was he was running in and steaming in. I'm, I've never faced anyone as as quick as this guy at that time as well. So um, it's quite a funny story. So first of all, I'm faced up, shitting myself, <laughs> very scared. <laughs> and uh, he runs in, comes in, bowls me a, bowls me a bumper, and I just freeze and I go, 
didn't move straight over my head keeper's taken over his head and i've just gone oh my god i can't believe that like didn't hit me if that was straight that was a and e there was there was ambulance and everything and that's gone over my head and i remember i left the next couple of balls but i must have played my lead by the time i got to the keeper's hands um flicked one off my legs got down to the other side played a couple of others and then i got off the pitch and i remember one of the youngsters also signed with me and Timmy it was Jack Shepherd, and he was also there. And he, I came off and he goes, "Wow, mate, you've played that coming so well there." <laughs> Apparently, it just looked like I've just sort of swayed him, nice and easy. He's probably a bumper, and I just haven't really moved. And deep down, I've just gone <gasps> and just frozen completely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that is quite a funny story. But he just, yeah, he was electric. But you know, I've been very fortunate again to. Um, play with someone like Max T. Klinger when I was at Gloucester. Yeah. Was Klinger, who just, you know, the guy was just a run machine. Um, didn't stop scoring runs. At Hampshire, again, played with uh, Michael Carberry, um, uh, who just loved batting. He just scored so many runs. Yeah. Um, I, remember, I remember one thing he told me as a youngster, um, which I'll never forget, and I always could have passed on. He always said, you've never got enough. You've never got enough. Just because yeah. obviously he's season pro and he just knew that you get your purple patches and then you're gonna get your lean spells. And so it was it really stuck with me throughout my career is just that, you know, keep churning and, and make the most out of that um that sort of purple patch, which is which was a really nice thing for him to say. But um yeah, I mean oh, mate, there's there's so many players that I could I could say that I've I've been very fortunate enough to play with and against. Um yeah. And you know, I will forever be sort of telling my grandchildren all these all these players. <laughs> TV playing, I played against him, played against him, and um, you know that's something that um, I feel honoured to to have been um, a part of, and I've had that you know fortune to be able to do that, and uh, which which not a lot of people get to do. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's great. You mentioned Afridi didn't turn up for the. Um... For the the tournament or the T Twenty Blast, uh, yeah. He, did he play the year before? Were you there when he was there the, the year before that? Yeah, he did. He played the he played the year before, and then I think he missed that one and played the year. Or well, actually, Maxwell was signed for a few years after that, um, and then last couple of years kind of signed for them. But um, yeah, Afridi. Um, we had Simon Katic. Um, yeah. Growing up, I remember that that changing room, um, and Timmy could attest to this as well. That changing room at Hampshire was just full of superstars. We had Neil you've, McKenzie. You've had K, KP as well. KP, Neil McKenzie, um, Shane Warne, Demi Mascarenas. And I'm I'm sort of a 16, 17-year-old kid sort of getting invited to some of these, their first team training sessions. And I'm I'm just in awe, you know. You got, I mean, Neil McKenzie, I just, the bloke was one of the best batters I've seen at that young age. The way he made the, made batting look so easy. Yeah. Um, was was such a an eye opening experience for a youngster like myself. Um, so that you know, I've been very, very, very fortunate for that. Yeah, with with a free, did you ever face him in the nets? I didn't actually. No, uh, only just sort of stood at the end and and watched him. Um, but he was bamboozling those season yeah. pros, so I don't think I would have had a chance. <laughs> we would have had to get my broom out and just try and sweep everything, which I normally <laughs> do when I don't have a clue. No, excellent. No, thanks very much for, for coming along today as well. I uh, really appreciate Pleasure, you taking the time out.
and uh, all the best with the future and, and particularly with your, your new business venture. Uh, hopefully that goes well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Guernsey Cricket Podcast. Remember to hit the subscribe button and keep listening. Shoot me down and